Morning, all. Um, I've been away in London this week on a teaching week, and I've spent a number of hours sat underneath London on a crowded tube and uh, surrounded by people I don't know in an environment that's alien to me, where everyone is rushing around, doing their business, and um, as one who veers towards claustrophobia, this kind of environment can induce anxiety in me. And rather than feeling relaxed, my heartbeat raises, my palms start to sweat, and I want to get out. I want to get back out into the open air and be away from such crowds. As I've been journeying that this week, I've been asking God to meet me in that place. And because often when I feel anxiety, I don't know about you, but actually that also causes me to feel a bit distant from God as well. And so... You'll be glad to know that me and God have been making really strong headway. (laughs) So uh, one of the ways I've been doing this is to put on my noise-cancelling Bluetooth headphones and uh, listen to some worship music whilst also doing some Lecto Divina, which is basically just using small passages of the Bible to read and allow God to speak to you through them and to pray through. And um, anyway, I'm not super with technology, So the first time I tried this out, I switched on my headphones and um, a little thing came up on my phone uh, saying Bluetooth headphones had been switched on and uh, scrolled down to the music and I I thought I'd broken these headphones. I put them on and I put the lovely song on, uh, This Is How I Fight My Battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you kind of felt fitting to this circumstance. And um, the problem was, like I say, I'm quite rubbish with technology and I couldn't get it to come through loud enough to cancel the noise. So I just turned it up and up and up. And um, eventually a lady tapped next to me and broke all cultural boundaries and said, love, um, your headphones aren't connected. So I'd been blasting the whole tube with this song. You are welcome, everyone. Um, So anyway... But other than that, it was pretty good. It was a strong technique, and it it saw me through the week. This morning, we are looking at prayer. So would you like to open your Bibles, your phones, your iPads? But we'll have it on the screen anyway. Um, And uh, we're going to be looking at Philippians 3, 1 to 11. Now, I don't know about you, but slow has become quite a negative term in our culture. Have you found that? If we say the service was slow, I'm obviously talking about food service, not church services. Uh, we might say that transport has been slow. Um, we might say that films are slow. And when we say these things, it's quite a negative connotation. But I think, actually, in order to speed up our understanding in God, we need to go slow. So I'm going to read this a little bit slower than I might normally just to to hopefully allow you to absorb the words, because I'm hoping that we'll go on a journey here together today, and this won't just be my ramblings. So let's pray and ask God to speak to us through his word. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be speaking to us through this passage this morning. I thank you that the Bible is so rich with who you are and what you are about and who we are. And I pray that as we explore prayer this morning, that you will be speaking to us by your spirit and help us to draw closer into our relationship with you. Amen. 
finally, my dear friends, be glad that you belong to the Lord. It doesn't bother me to write the same things to you that I have written before. In fact, it is for your own good. Watch out for those people who behave like dogs. They are evil and want to do more than just circumcise you. But we are the ones who are truly circumcised because we worship by the power of God's spirit and take pride in Christ Jesus. We don't brag about what we have done, although I could. Others may brag about themselves, but I have more reason to brag than anyone else. I was circumcised when I was eight days old, and I am from the nation of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin. I am a true Hebrew. As a Pharisee, I strictly obeyed the law of Moses. And I was so eager that I even made trouble for the church. I did everything the Lord demands in order to please God. But Christ has shown me that what I once thought was valuable is worthless. Nothing is as wonderful as knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have given up everything else and count it all as garbage. All I want is Christ and to know that I belong to him. I could not make myself acceptable to God by obeying the law of Moses. God accepted me simply because of my faith in Christ. All I want is to know Christ and the power that raised him to life. I want to suffer and die as he did, so that somehow I also may be raised to life. Today we are looking at prayer, and I wonder how you pray. Do you know that in the early church, the thing that they preached and commented on most about was actually the Lord's Prayer, more than anything else. And in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and 6, the Lord's Prayer is in the middle of it. Now, for it to be put in the middle was about giving it the highest place in the Sermon on the Mount. It was completely central to the whole of the teaching. Prayer is foundational to Christian living. Why? Well, through prayer, we get to know our creator, our Lord, our Father. And yet for many of us, it seems like a battle day in, day out, often marked by guilt. Life can be quick, paced, and in hurry, sometimes the first thing we give up is prayer. In this passage, Paul is in prison, and he's writing to the Philippi church, And he says that in this, everything else takes second place. Even the mission of God, everything takes second place to his primary goal. What was his primary goal? It was God himself. It was knowing Christ. He writes, nothing is as wonderful as knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And some of you may be more familiar with the NIV version which is, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
For his sake, I've suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Now here, the word knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, the word knowing, it doesn't refer to an intellectual knowledge. Actually, the translation refers to an intimate and an experiential knowledge of Christ. And this is why he's able, even though he's in chains, to find joy. Because he valued his relationship with Christ above everything else, and this couldn't be removed from him. Even in a really dark situation, Christ could not be removed. And his desire, his missional desire, wasn't just that, oh, people come to faith and that would be great for them, but it was that they would also know Christ. Let's look at this passage again. Now here, I'm sorry, this has not come up that great, but it says, but Christ has shown me, and I've put in red here, what I once thought valuable was worthless. Everything before that Paul had thought valuable, and he'd worked so hard to try and be the best Pharisee that he could, but he counted that now as worthless. And then he goes on to say, nothing is as wonderful as knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. This again, everything else worthless. The one thing he wanted was Christ Jesus. And then he goes back again and says, I've given up everything else and I count it all as garbage. And then he goes back and says, all I want is Christ and to know that I belong to him. And then verse 10 again says, all I want to know is Christ and the power that raised him to life. All he wanted was Christ and nothing else. This is a powerful message to me. I don't know about to you, but to only have one desire in our hearts, which is Christ, to be above every other desire. Are you cultivating a deep desire for God in your life? I have been on a recent journey over the last few years with God, and I found over time that my spirituality seems to be shifting more towards making time for stillness, for being. Now, I'm certainly not at the end of this journey. God is still speaking to me through it. Uh, For me, it started on a retreat to Italy. And um, I basically, it was before we had Emmy, uh, David looked after the two boys. And I went to a retreat for a few days in this house there. It was in the middle of nowhere, but in sort of Francis... No, Francis of Assisi. Francis of Assisi. Sorry, sometimes my mind just goes blank and I have a little fog and then I look to David because he knows all the words. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Francis of Assisi territory. Anyway, uh, as I went there, one of the biggest things I was really struggling to let go of was my family. So I got there and I was texting, how are you doing, David? And also, how are the children? (laughs) Everything's fine, blah, blah, blah. Great few minutes time. Oh, I just wanted to check. Have you remembered this? Yes, we're all fine here. I've remembered that. And this was going backwards and forwards. Probably quite a frustrating process for David, who is a competent parent. <laughs> uh, but also for myself, because I couldn't just let go of everything and be with God. So I was started to pray. And um, as I prayed, God challenged me. And he said, Caroline, um, You can phone your family once a day for about five minutes, but other than that, no contact. (laughs) And I was like, really? (laughs) 
How am I going to control if you ask me to do that? <laughs> so um, I did obey God. And the, like, the weight of this like, feeling of stepping into that was so hard because actually I just wanted to control things. Um, but I was obedient and I said to David, look, this is what I feel God's saying, that we can only have like a five-minute chat a day at this time. Other than that, I'm just not going to be in contact. And he was like, yep, that's fine. <laughs> All right, then I will do that then. <laughs> so permission was given and um, I went to spend time with God and I just saw as I was spending time with God that I was actually just leaving my family at his feet. But in doing that, I was able to enter into this new experience of God, of God being absolutely sufficient for me. And I've never experienced before this point sufficiency quite like it. There was almost this go of needing to let go all of my cares in the world, which at that point were family, in order to position myself where God could speak to me. And as I did that, the revelation that came to me while I was away and the experience of God was so powerful that I have never experienced peace quite like it or the presence of God quite like it because I felt his love be so big for me that I knew in that moment that even if anything did happen to my family that God was enough for me. Fortunately, everyone was well when I got home and had also managed. But it was a really powerful experience. And I'd encourage you, if you've never really done a retreat or done something like that, just try it out um, because you often meet God in powerful ways on them. I think one of the challenges to overcome, though, as we approach God in prayer is how we relate to him. We can easily fall into an expectation of exchange. It can be like God is sitting in heaven and he needs reminding that there's a lot of rubbish going on down here and we need to ask him, hi God, you know, all this rubbish, please can you come and do something? Sometimes the way we can relate to God in prayer is can be a bit like that. And um, our brokenness in prayer, sometimes we feel that we need to live upright lives in order to get God's attention. And um, I need him to respect me if I'm going to make requests and petitions before him. Sometimes, you see, we find ourselves living our lives under God. So we've got God in heaven, and then we're sitting underneath, hoping that we're living a good enough life for him to listen and respond to us. God has given us some principles to live by, and if we get them right, he might just bless us. If it's according to his will... He will occasionally intervene and remind us that he's real. Sometimes we can live our lives for God. So God has sent us to do his work, to be the agents of his mission, to carry out his work on earth. And when we do this, he's happy with us. And when we don't do this, we maybe feel that he's not happy with us. And the days of success can be marked by how far we've seen the kingdom break in today. Have we had a good conversation with someone about God? Have we prayed for someone who is sick? I want to offer you a different option this morning, one that I think is actually more true to the revelation of the Bible. Uh, we need to go back to Genesis, back to creation. God set up the world in Eden for us to walk through life with him. We know that God came to Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, and that actually there was a relationship of walking together. Now, I love this verse in Genesis 2.19. It said, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. 
He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. Now this is an image of partnership, isn't it? God has created and he's allowed man to speak into it. He didn't have to do that, but he chose to do that, to walk in partnership. So we know that this is God's perfect plan for us. That it is God with us. But we know that there was a fall, and actually, instead of being with God, Adam and Eve decided that they wanted to be like a God. So God had to reach out to his people time and time again, and we see that through his journey with the Israelites. But then something amazing happens. What was it? Jesus. Jesus. It's, the, it's always the answer, guys. What happened? Jesus. Right. Okay. Great. So Jesus and he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, we are in Advent. And when we remember Jesus as Emmanuel, this truth isn't just for Advent. It's for the whole of life that God is with us. Now, God gave us a prophetic word a number of years ago. We're probably talking about 11 years ago. And he said to me, you are going to have a daughter and I want you to call her Emmanuel because it's going to be a prophetic sign to your family that I am with you no matter what. The next baby was Eli, which was a shock because <laughs> I thought Eli was going to be a girl. Uh, but I'm so glad we did have Eli. He's a joy. And then we had Emmanuel. Now, I did go to David initially and I was like, is it heresy to call the child Emmanuel? Because that is God's name. But we decide, actually, if that is what God was saying, and actually he was revealing to us that he is also with us. He's not just with us through, in Jesus, he is with us all the time, through his Holy Spirit, through God, through Jesus. So, God wants to be with us. Now, when Jesus went to heaven, he left his Holy Spirit uh, to be with us. And in the new heaven and the new earth, Revelation 22.5 says, There will be no more night. They will not need the light or the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. We are going to be with God. So it was there in the beginning. He came to us in Jesus to say, Hey, I am with you. And ultimately, the hope for our life is that we will be reigning with him forever and ever. And so God's relationship to us and the way he likes to meet with us is with us. Yeah? Are you following? Is this making sense? Good. Great. On the same path. So our prayer position when we come to God is one of being with God. Sometimes it feels like there's lots to pray about. And so honestly, I just sit in silence. Sometimes I feel too overwhelmed by all the brokenness around me. And I will just sit with God. There was an interview done by a, God, a guy called uh, Dan Ra Rather, I think. And um, he did it with Mother Teresa. And he said to her, when you pray, what do you say to God? And she says, I don't say anything. He reply, she replied, I listen. And he said, okay. Well, then Rather said, taking another shot at it, when God speaks to you then, what does he say? And she said, he doesn't say anything. He listens. Rather didn't know how to continue. He was baffled. And she said to him, and if you don't understand that, 
I can't explain it to you. Because there is just something beautiful about just being with God that is not based in agenda, that is not based about what we can get out of him, that is just based in being. And sometimes prayer is just quiet. Sometimes we're not saying anything. We are just being with our best friend. I don't spend all my time with David chatting, although we are quite heavy communicating extroverts. So we do spend a lot of time chatting, but also we will spend a lot of time being quiet, like when we sleep. Um, (laughs) But this view of prayer could be seen as union. We are one with him. And it was what Paul was getting out when he said to Christians, pray without ceasing. You see, Paul was inviting us to live as Jesus did, in constant connection with God, even if that meant silence at times. And in that place of silence, I would like to say to you that his presence comes. Emmanuel. I don't want a relationship with God that is one of transaction. God is inviting us into knowing him deeply as sons and daughters. And this is truly one of the most revolutionary things. God wants to love you deeply and reveal to you that when we say the Lord's Prayer, it starts our Father. That is revolutionary, guys. And I would like to say you'll find it in no other religion, in no other space, where you get to approach God as a father, as that intimate parent-child relationship. And don't be tempted to reduce that invitation because life can be so busy. Walk with him. Do all you can to carve out time to be with him. Because will you recognize Jesus when you get to heaven? And I don't mean physically, I mean spiritually. Remember Paul's words, I count everything as lost compared to the greatness of Christ. Sometimes I think, as an evangelical, charismatic It's really easy to get busy for God or to want to see miracles or to want to encounter him in power. But actually, the most beautiful time I've had with God has been in the quiet. Isaac of Nineveh said, sit in the presence of the Lord every moment of your life as you think of him and remember him in your heart. Otherwise, when you only see him after a period of time, you will lack freedom of converse with him out of shame. For great freedom of converse is born out of constant association with him. The most deeply prayerful people in the world have the most impact on the world as a prophet of God in the world. And are we fostering a contemplative life? Some of you might find that harder than others. Some of you may think that sounds wonderful and others you might find that hard if you are an activist or someone who really enjoys doing. But sometimes as Christians we can be so quick to want to fix the world in actions and prayer and I'm not saying that these don't have a place in this narrative but we need to be wary when we are doing these things out of a disconnection with God. I find this verse really sobering in Matthew 7. It says, Many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I don't want to work 
at life being a Christian without it flowing from the source. I want to know God and take on every high and low with him in relationship. And turning to God does turn us outward. But we need to start by turning towards him. Sometimes, in order to understand the culture that we live in, we need critical distance from it in silence in order for him to transform our thinking and see, have we taken on some things in culture that actually are not who God is or don't reflect how we need to walk as Christians? And silence allows us to do that. It allows us to think about life on a bigger scale. So... I'd like to ask you these three questions. Who do you desire to be in five years' time? What kind of relationship do you want to have with Christ? And do you have the right rhythms to get you there? I've been encouraged to draw a timeline from 5 a.m. till midnight, which felt like a very broad timeline to me. But I was asked, what am I doing at each of those times? What habits are shaping the day for me. And I think this is a really good thing to do, and I'd encourage you to do it. Draw a timeline and work out what is shaping your day. Is your life shaped to make your transformative hopes likely or possible? The Spirit does the transforming, we know, and the forming, but we need to create the conditions that are inducive to that. And so finding rhythms in life is just us creating the conditions in which God can come in and transform us. If you want to try out some new ways of praying or some new rhythms, I would just encourage uh, these three things are quite simple. One is silence, just being. And what I do with that is I set my watch sometimes on a timer Because then I know, because sometimes the worry is I'm going to drift off (laughs) and then I'm going to forget everything else I need to do. And sometimes if you know that there's an alarm clock going to go off, it just enables you to relax into it. So I'd encourage you, set yourself some times of silence. Maybe a bit every day. I used to do, as soon as I woke up, two minutes in the morning straight away before everything else. But, you know, I'll let you look at your rhythms and what is needed. Another thing you could do is examine Um, I think this has been mentioned before, but it's basically ending the day with God. And when we do the examine, we are looking at for where was God in joy in the day? You know, what were the really good things that happened? Where did I see God? But we're also looking at like what was difficult and where did I feel distant from God? And it's just a really great way of processing your day with God, but also it moves us into a deeper relationship with him. So Feel free to Google and uh, examine. There's lots of things on the internet about that. Um, There's also a rhythm called Lecto Divina, which I mentioned that I did on the tube, which is when you take just a very small Bible passage and you read it over and over and over again and then allow Holy Spirit to be speaking it uh, to you about it. You can be uh, praying it through and thinking, what is God teaching me through this today? What is his words of life to me through today? Uh, Again, They're on the internet, you can look them up, and they're all different things you can engage with, with just being with God. There's a book that I found really powerful and helpful called With, um, and it's about reimagining the way you relate to God by a guy called Sky Jathani. 
if you want any more details about that, I'm happy to share. But he talks about the brokenness in different ways that we can relate to God as over God, under God, for God, and from God, and then talks about the need to be with God. Uh, but if you'd like to dig a bit deeper into that and you enjoy reading, you could read that book. So I'd like to finish there in terms of talking, but I want to just allow some time for ministry now. Um, I'm aware that when we look at prayer, it can churn up lots of different things for us. For some people, there might be brokenness or disappointment. For some of us, it might burn birth a fire. For some of us, it might feel boring. You know, I don't want to put on you what the word prayer means to you, but I'd like us to respond to God in prayer now. Um, I'm going to invite the band up, and I've asked them to play a simple song. You don't need to sing along. Uh, we can just let the words wash over us. Um, and it just helps us focus back on God again. Um, but m- as I was praying about this, the words that I felt I had for people this morning were that some of you are feeling really dry and thirsty in your walk with God. Maybe there's a disconnect to prayer, to him. Maybe things have been good before but don't feel that great right now. And maybe you're just feeling really dry or thirsty. I felt that some people might be afraid of silence. Maybe hurry for you can dull dull the pain or dull the noise. And you don't want to confront that. Maybe some of you are scared that God won't meet you. Or maybe some of you are scared that he will. I, um, when I was younger, way before we were married, uh, I went to New Wine one year and um, there was a lady preaching and she was carrying the presence of God that I literally couldn't stay in there. And I didn't know what it was at the time, but I just wanted to get out. My heart was racing and I just ran went to my car and sat in my car and didn't know what to do with myself. And I, I realized looking back now that there was this fear, this fear that was coming over me about meeting with God. And I just wanted to move away from him rather than towards him. And over time, I've taken the courage to move towards him. But maybe for you, this is a fearful place. This is scary. All of connecting with God is hard without Holy Spirit help. So what I want you to do now, if any of those words or anything I've said this morning are speaking to you, I'd love you to stand and I'm going to pray for Holy Spirit to come and minister to us. Okay.